This is um, Paramedic Review Unit 4, Part 8, Syncope. So uh, keep, in, keep in mind the definition of what syncope is, right? It's, it's a breath loss of consciousness. With a, a, it's very transient. Um, they're unresponsive for less than a minute. Um, so it's very self-limiting and there's a spontaneous recovery and that excludes things like seizures, coma, shock, other forms of altered consciousness. That's why last week I think someone was describing as someone who'd been unresponsive for five minutes. That's not syncope, that's unconscious. So um, how to make the distinction. Now, um, calls are funny though too, you know, like you get someone who has a syncopal episode and uh, they take five minutes to recover, maybe because they just don't want to look like they're recovering and someone's called 911 and they figure I better not, you know, be fine by the time the medics get there. I don't know what goes through people's heads, but, uh, um, but five minutes would not be, uh, would not be a sinkable episode. So in terms of patho, there's, there's uh, um, hypoperfusion of the brain essentially resulting in the loss of consciousness. So it's a global cerebral hypoperfusion and the brain um, requires constant blood flow. It requires constant uh, energy supply. The brain doesn't store energy. And um, so a loss of perfusion for as little as five seconds can result in syncope. So a sinus pause lasting three seconds probably going to cause some symptoms like maybe dizziness or, or um, you know, some unusual feelings, weak, weak feelings, but five seconds or more could result in syncope or near syncope. Um, so uh, in order to maintain cerebral perfusion, we need um, a constant cardiac output, a certain amount of systemic vascular resistance, a certain amount of arterial pressure, intravascular volume, um, a certain amount of intracranial pressure, we need autoregulation, which is the ability to maintain cerebral perfusion pressure despite fluctuations in BP, um, and some metabolic regulation like glucose, oxygen, CO2, CO, thyroid, etc. And uh, uh, a flaw in any one of those things, uh, however brief, can cause a uh, syncopal episode. So the differential diagnosis. Um, not important to write all this down, but is fairly broad. There are lots of different causes of uh, syncope. Um, uh, respiratory alkalosis would be, what would be the most common example of respiratory alkalosis? Yeah, the patient is hyperventilating, right? The patient is having a panic attack. They syncopize and they wake up and then they go through the whole cycle again. Um, I, I've worked with medics who thought the patient was faking it because they had a, a quote unquote syncopal episode and uh, and then went through the cycle again. They thought, well, this doesn't make any sense, but people who hyperventilate have syncopal episodes because they, uh, when, you, um, when you hyperventilate, you blow off too much CO2, you get um, cerebral vasoconstriction. You also get uh, fluctuation in calcium levels and that can cause uh, cerebral vasospasm and syncope and they go through the whole process again. So the red flags, uh, these aren't all the red flags, but these are sort of the the key ones, um, any pediatric patient or anyone over 45, not 65, sorry, 45 is a pretty young age, right? But uh, exertion, uh, what do you think of when you think of someone who's uh, had a sickle episode secondary to exertion? What should be high on your radar? as a cause. 
Uh, it's not a vasovagal episode. Uh, oh, okay. Fair question. Yeah, from powerlifting. Yeah, that might be an example of vasovagaling. Yeah, when they win uh, Valsalva maneuver, basically, but they're holding the breath. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I guess I'm thinking more of uh, like treadmill or running or something like that. Dave, um, it's not what you think of when you think of um, exercise-induced syncope, but uh, it's you're always going to look for it. No question. Yeah. Cardiomyopathy, yeah, that's the big one. So on the 12 lead, we look for evidence of ventricular hypertrophy. Look at the analysis, that's probably the most helpful, um, apart from memorizing the criteria for how deep an S wave should be, how tall an R wave should be, but um, look at the criteria. So um, dyspnea or shortness of breath preceding the syncope, pain or palpation. So dyspnea pain might suggest um, pulmonary embolus. So pulmonary embolus is, can cause syncope in patients. Palpation, palpitations rather would suggest some sort of cardiac arrhythmia. Um, unusual for people to have syncopal episodes from a sitting position, right? Because the vast majority of syncopal episodes are vasovagal, uh, about 85%. And uh, it would be really unusual to vasovagal from a sitting position or a, or a lying position. So whenever you get a history of syncope from a sitting or recumbent position, we worry that it's a cardiac event. And um, the only times I've ever had someone who has had a syncopal episode from sitting position has been in retirement years, older patients. Um, history of cardiovascular disease, um, any unexplained sudden deaths in the family. Again, how you approach that one is a little bit tricky, you know. Um, usually I approach it this way, you know, do you have any brothers and sisters? Yes. Um, do you live with your mom and dad? Yes. Um, and they usually volunteer, you know, how many, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Well, I have, I have a brother and a sister. I, and, and usually they'll volunteer. I had another brother. Oh, what happened to your other brother? Oh, he died when he was six. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, then you know, right? And, and then you ask, you know, what did he die from? Oh, he drowned. And that's a classic, right? Um, is uh, drowning from either seizure or drowning from a cardiac event of some sort. Um, uh, recurring single episodes. For sure, prolonged LOC would not be, would be a red flag, but not as a syncope. It would be just a red flag. And m medications that affect cardiac induction. Um, if you look up, uh, if you Google um, drugs that prolong QT, you'll see a long list of them. And um, so uh, patients who are on those drugs have to have their you know, 12 lead done periodically just to see that they have long QT. Any abnormal uh, ECTs, so um, long QT. Um, and what's, what's a long QT? How many milliseconds? Yeah, greater than 500 milliseconds, yeah. So you could have long QT with less than 500, you know, 480, 490, but um, generally speaking, if it's over 500, it's a long QT. 
So um, any red flags with this case? This is a 47-year-old healthy male near Syncope at a church was standing. You've heard me talk about this case. Two similar episodes in the last six months. No history of sudden deaths in the family. No significant history of coronary artery disease in the family. Um, capillary blood glucose is normal. He's over 45, yeah, yeah. So uh, we talked about this one. This is the guy who went, uh, had a sinus arrest, lasted about 15 seconds. This was, this was, this cardiogram was done by PCPs who were um, at a time when PCPs were not allowed to interpret ECGs, but we ran a number of dysrhythmia courses anyway. Um, hard to believe this was only uh, 18 years ago, roughly. Case two, you know where I'm going with this one, right? <laughs> yeah, so his age for sure. Uh, cardiogram's perfectly normal. Uh, it's a 24-year-old previously healthy female at the gym, uh, collapsed in the change room from a standing position prior to a workout. A father died at age 36, uh, unexplained. Sugar's normal, uh, ECG's on the next one. Um, this is lead two. Does it look okay? <coughs> What's that? <coughs> Paul? It looks, approximate. It, looks like a it looks like a longer QT, yeah. So the QT looks like it's greater than half the R to R, right? So that's red flag. But you want to um, confirm it by looking at the number of milliseconds. So... Um, this was a... Uh, a different patient that I had who had um, a seizure and um, it didn't sound like a seizure to me or it didn't sound like a cerebral type seizure it sounded like a hypoxic seizure and uh, he probably had a bout of torsade de point but he had a QTC of 569 that's definitely a red flag um, so torsade would be the case uh, what do you how do you treat a torsade if, if the patient doesn't syn syncopize but loses consciousness the back of the ambulance and is in a torsade? Shock. Yeah, you defibrillate. Yeah. You just treat it like VF or VT. It's a polymorphic ventricular tachycardia, so you just treat it like any shockable rhythm. So shock. Yeah. Now, um, any of you remember how far the complexes have to be apart for to distinguish between torsade and ventricular flutter? There's a criteria for it. So torsade has to be sort of twisting of the point, which, which, which is what we see. But sometimes a coarse VF or a ventricular flutter will look the same. Uh, but there's criteria for the distance between the complexes. Anyone remember what it is? It's five millimeters. So, so for to be torsade, the complexes have to be at least five millimeters apart. Anything shorter than that is probably a coarse VF or um, a ventricular flutter. Not th that it matters because we treat the same, but you know, if you want to argue with your preceptor, you know, because your preceptor doesn't know and all the things they should know, you know, they're a big disappointment to you. <laughs> I hope the preceptors don't listen to my podcast. But um, did any of you any of you download the uh, the podcast on one of those podcasting platforms? I sent an email out about it. not a single one. So, so 
totally pointless. Okay, uh, case four, you probably remember this case. Yeah. Did you see the video? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, do you remember me talking about this last year? Do you remember the the what kind of dysrhythmia he was having and the cause? Yeah. 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 We didn't, there was no such thing as an AED back in those days. It was just a defibrillator. But uh, do you remember the uh, the dysrhythmia and the underlying cause of for this guy? He had a thyroid disorder. So what kind of thyroid disorder do you think he had that would cause syncope? What's, oops, what's the most common thyroid disorder that you'll ever see? And you've probably seen dozens of them so far. Yeah. Hypothyroid. Yeah. What's the less common then? Hyperthyroidism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, what kind of dysrhythmia uh, is a is a risk with hyperthyroidism? No, dysrhythmia with hyperthyroidism. AFib. So what were you going to say? I Googled it, so I was cheating. But oh, OK. Is that what you found? I found it, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Paroxysmal bouts of AFib. Yeah. So that's what he had. He had paroxysm, uh, paroxysms of AFib. So that's what we were prepared to manage uh, once we finally got a defibrillator. Uh, OK, I think we'll uh, cut it there and uh, make our way to the lab.